The reading is taken from Genesis chapter 41, verses 1 to 16. Genesis chapter 41, verse 1. After two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile. And behold, there came up out of the Nile seven cows, attractive and plump, and they fed in the reed grass. And behold, seven other cows, ugly and thin, came out of the Nile after them, and stood by the other cows on the bank of the Nile. And the ugly, thin cows ate up the seven attractive, plump cows, and Pharaoh awoke. And he fell asleep and dreamed a second time. And behold, seven ears of grain, plump and good, were growing on one stalk. And behold, after them sprouted seven ears, thin and blighted by the east wind. And the thin ears swallowed up the seven plump, full ears. And Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. So, in the morning, his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but there was none who could interpret them to Pharaoh. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, I remember my offences today. When Pharaoh was angry with his servants and put me and the chief baker in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, we dreamed on the same night. He and I, each having a dream with its own interpretation, a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. When we told him, he interpreted our dreams to us, giving an interpretation to each man according to his dream. And as he interpreted to us, so it came about. I was restored to my office and the baker was hanged. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they quickly brought him out of the pit. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I have had a dream, and there is no one who can interpret it. I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh. A favourable answer. We continue to read from Genesis chapter 41 from verse 25 to verse 43. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years and the seven good years are seven years. The dreams are one. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up after them are seven years. And the seven empty ears blighted by the east wind are also seven years of famine. It is, as I told Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. 
there will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. But after them there will arise seven years of famine, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land, and the plenty will be unknown in the land by reason of the famine that will follow, for it will be very severe. And the doubling of Pharaoh's dream means that the thing is fixed by God and God will shortly bring it to pass. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plentiful years. And let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities and let them keep it. That food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt, so that the land may not perish through the famine. This proposal pleased Pharaoh and all his servants. And Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find a man like this in whom is the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him ride in his second chariot. And they called out before him, Bow the knee. Thus he set him over all the land of Egypt. Well, good morning, everyone. It is uh, really good to... Um, to have you watching this morning, uh, although I do uh, really miss uh, seeing at least some of your faces in front of me, or at least half your faces, as it seems to be these days. I'm sure many of you know that the story of Joseph has been turned into a blockbuster musical, and uh, I couldn't help smiling when I saw that Ken had put me down for this passage this morning, uh, because back when I was a child, I um, sang Pharaoh's song about his dreams uh, in a rendition of the musical. And uh, Pharaoh's character in the musical is based on Elvis. Um, and uh, there was me, uh, this uh, little child uh, with a high-pitched squeaky voice, uh, trying to impersonate Elvis. Uh, it was an absolute shocker. Now, I didn't really know what I was singing about back then. Uh, but it's been really good to uh, get stuck into this passage over the last couple of weeks. And I hope and pray uh, that as we think about this passage more, uh, we'll be inspired by Joseph's, Joseph's, Joseph's example of walking by faith uh, and we'll be pointed to some amazing truths about God. Uh, truths which were a, a solid foundation for Joseph's roller coaster life uh, which we're going to see in a minute, uh, and truths which can be a solid foundation for our lives. Uh, 
in a pandemic uh, or, or in anything that life throws at us. So let's pray together before we go any further. Let's bow our heads. Father God, please help us to know you better this morning so that we can be a church family who live by faith like Joseph. Amen. Well, in this series, we've been following Joseph's life, his story uh, in the book of Genesis. Uh, And if you were watching a couple of weeks ago, you'll know that we left Joseph at uh, a pretty bleak point. He's in prison. Uh, He'd been sold into slavery, uh, but things had been looking up for a while. He'd been really successful in his master's house. uh, But when Joseph refuses to sleep with his master's wife, uh, she makes up accusations against him and he is thrown into prison with no obvious end in sight. But here's what we read uh, in the first verse of chapter 41 that we're looking at today. After two whole years, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing by the Nile. So Joseph's been in prison for two whole years at the the lowest uh, point of Egyptian society. And meanwhile, at the same time, uh, right at the very pinnacle of Egyptian society, Pharaoh has had a couple of crazy dreams. In the first one, seven plump, uh, attractive cows are eaten by thin, uh, really ugly cows. And in the second one, uh, seven withered, thin, and blighted ears of corn are swallowed up by seven plump, full ears. Uh, They're pretty surreal, wild uh, dreams, aren't they? And understandably, Pharaoh is troubled by them. So he sends for uh, all the magicians and wise men of Egypt, searching for someone who can interpret his dream for him. Until until he is finally told about a man in prison uh, who's a total whiz at interpreting dreams, Joseph. And so Pharaoh sends for Joseph from prison. A few years ago, my wife Sophie and I uh, went camping for a couple of weeks, Uh, but it was Sophie's birthday during the two weeks, and so we had one night uh, in a fantastic hotel, uh, and we went from kind of eating uh, dodgy porridge sachets for breakfast uh, to this great hotel with an amazing breakfast buffet. But that pales into insignificance, doesn't it, compared to what it must have been like for Joseph here. Uh, he's brought from prison, shaved, uh, given new clothes, uh, and then he's brought before Pharaoh in the royal palace uh, in the seat of Egyptian royalty and power. Put yourself into his shoes. Uh, Think about the the pressure there must have been to try and say what Pharaoh wanted to hear, uh, to moderate his views, to say the acceptable thing. Uh, It must have been immense. I mean, not only was this his his chance for freedom from prison, uh, but he had seen what had happened to those who didn't please Pharaoh like the chief baker who was brutally killed. It must have been really intimidating. Humanly speaking, he must have felt very alone. Would Joseph just melt? 
Or would he just uh, answer what he thought Pharaoh wanted to hear? Joseph stands before the mighty Pharaoh who himself was thought to be a god. Uh, and Pharaoh says to him, verse 15, I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. How is Joseph going to answer? Here's what he says. It is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. He says, it's not me. It's my God. Joseph is bold and courageous in glorifying God, even in this risky opportunity before Pharaoh. I think it's really easy to miss how, how bold and God-centered Joseph is here. Because it's not just that opening sentence. The whole interpretation of Pharaoh's dream is completely God-centered. He starts off pointing to God. Then verse 25, he says, God revealed to Pharaoh. Verse 28, God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. Verse 32, the doubling of the dreams means that the thing is fixed by God and God will shortly bring it about. Uh, do you see, Pharaoh can be left in, in no doubt as to who Joseph trusts and who he thinks is in control here. In the royal court, uh, Joseph announces to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt in a sense that it's God who controls their existence. Uh, he boldly points to God's glory and he leaves his own future in God's hands. Even just in our everyday conversations with friends or colleagues, uh, it's so easy to, to shy away from mentioning God, isn't it? And yet I'm sure there are, are so many times when like Joseph, we could point to the fact that we trust that God is in control. I was actually uh, struck by someone's out-of-office email that came through the other day. Uh, it said, expect to be back in the office on Monday unless God wills otherwise. Now, I'm not saying that we should all necessarily put that on the bottom of uh, all our out-of-office emails, uh, but it's so helpful to have the fact that God is in control on our mind, isn't it? Uh, even in all the little day-to-day -day things like out-of-office emails. And to be willing to point to that in our words and our conversations. Maybe someone says, things are so uncertain at the moment, aren't they? Is that our first response to think it or even say, it's a real help to trust that God is in control. But Joseph uh, should also inspire us to be bold and courageous in the public sphere. Uh, this was very public, wasn't it? Uh, and John Lennox, an Oxford professor and Christian, uh, writes this. Confidence in God and in the Lord and the gospel is being shaken. We need to put against that the fact that Joseph was a single individual with no other human group supporting him. Yet such was his conviction of the truth of the message he had to communicate, that he influenced the future of an entire nation. 
wherever we are in positions of power or influence, uh, be it in the workplace, schools, politics, uh, the doctor's surgery, uh, wherever it is, we're called to be bold and courageous in being open about our, our trusting God and standing up for God's values. Uh, all the time doing it wisely, uh, doing it in love, but nevertheless doing it boldly and courageously and openly. Maybe that's something that is particularly relevant to you uh, and you need to go away and, and pray about it. And if we feel weak or ill-equipped, as so often we do, don't we? Let's remember that there are so many examples of, of God using people like that in their weaknesses. And he promises to equip us by his spirit when we ask for his help. The Apostle Paul, uh, even the Apostle Paul, talks of his weaknesses in a letter to the Corinthians. And he writes that the Lord reminded him that my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Well, let's uh, get back to the drama, the story. Uh, Joseph is stood before the mighty Pharaoh, and Pharaoh explains to him his strange dreams. Uh, and sure enough, Joseph interprets them. He says to Pharaoh, uh, here's what they mean. There's going to be seven years of plenty, uh, followed by seven years of very severe famine. Now we know from uh, the history records that famine could be horrendous in Egypt. Uh, twice in the historical records, there are awful reports of cannibalism in Egypt during famine. Uh, so the thought of a famine would have been devastating for Pharaoh and the people. But in light of his interpretation, uh, Joseph goes ahead and advises Pharaoh that Pharaoh should organize food supplies for the whole nation by storing it up in the seven good years across the land, ready for the years of famine. Pharaoh sees the wisdom in Joseph's advice and he decides that Joseph is the man to put this plan into action. And so in an instant, Joseph is catapulted from prison to the very pinnacle of Egypt. Verse 40, Pharaoh says, you shall be over my house and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as he regards the throne will I be greater than you. Forget winning the lottery uh, or becoming president-elect. This was way bigger. Joseph's life completely turns upside down, doesn't it? Uh, yesterday he was in a dirty prison. Today he's given a signet ring on his finger to stamp his approval on official documents. Uh, he's given uh, a designer robe. He's given a, a royal chariot, the executive limo of the day. It must have been incredible. Uh, can you imagine that turnaround? He'd been serving others and, and bowing and scraping for all his life. But at age 30, as we're told in verse 46, uh, he's riding through Egypt in a chariot with people shouting, bow the knee. He's in charge of the whole land, second only to Pharaoh, 
an incredible change. And not only that, uh, but he's Egyptianized, you might say, by Pharaoh. He's given a new name, Zaphonath Panea. That one hasn't quite caught on like Joseph over the years, has it? Uh, he's also given an Egyptian wife from a prominent aristocratic family. Uh, so he's got an Egyptian name, uh, an Egyptian wife. Uh, he's probably speaking Egyptian. And he's living through seven plentiful years. It would have been so, so easy to forget God, wouldn't it? Everything he had been given could tempt him to forget where he had come from and to become proud and self-dependent. He was wealthy, powerful. Uh, things were going well and the land was producing abundantly. He had servants waiting on his every need. Uh, he had probably needed to depend on God every day when he was in prison. But here, as a handsome, young successful man living in luxury he could so easily have forgotten God maybe he could have been tempted to abuse his power he could have tracked down all those who caused his harm like Potiphar's wife or, uh, or his brothers uh, to make their lives difficult or even to punish them or he could have used his control of the grain market to line his own pockets and keep a fleet of executive chariots and not worry too much about the consequences further down the line for those less well off. Or the easiest thing of all, he could have simply gone with the flow of the culture. His father-in-law uh, was some sort of pagan priest who worshipped the sun god, and it would have been so much easier to just go with the flow, to, to fit in with the family. But instead, we see that Joseph faithfully trusts God and acts on his words. He trusts God that there will be seven years of famine to come, and he acts on it. Now he uses his administrative skill and his new powers to set up storehouses across the land for the country's get. Uh, grain. He, he travels across Egypt to make these things happen. And in some ways, it, it must have seemed crackers, mustn't it? Storing up years of grain. You can't help thinking of similarities to Noah building an ark in a dry land. But Joseph faithfully trusts God uh, and it drives him to action. And we too can so easily forget God, can't we? Or just slip into going with the flow in our culture. Uh, Worshipping the gods of the age, uh, comfort, career, money, self-fulfillment. Rather than trusting like Joseph that true life is found in God alone and in his ways. Uh, living lives that are countercultural and self-sacrificial. Even in, in these times of COVID, it's so easy to, to just want to hibernate, isn't it? And to look out for number one, uh, rather than to look outwards. I know I can easily feel like that. But like Joseph, knowing God's 
purposes and his plans for the future shouldn't make us passive. Uh, Instead, it should drive us to action. Uh, Joseph knew what was coming, uh, and we know how history is going to end. And so we reach out to those around us with the good news of the gospel. And we know the sacrificial love of Jesus. So we seek to love others like that and to be thankful to God. We actually see Joseph's thankfulness to God in, in the way that he names his children here. Even though he's, he's right at the pinnacle of Egyptian society now, and after all the Egyptianizing by Pharaoh, he still gives his children Hebrew names, doesn't he? Uh, names which are God-centered and which show his thankfulness to God, even after all the tough times that he's been through. Isn't it uh, inspiring that Joseph knows such extremes, uh, sold into slavery, years in prison, uh, followed by the pinnacle of society and riches and power, and yet he faithfully trusts God through all of it. But maybe that leaves you thinking, that's great, but I couldn't stand up before Pharaoh. I struggle to even speak to folks in my workplace about Jesus. And I don't know enough to share my faith or to to do a um, better life booklet with someone. Or I'm too used to my current way of life to make changes to sacrificially serve others with my time and money. Uh, Or at least I'm too busy. Uh, I'm sure we can all relate to, to those things in some way, can't we? But it's so important to remember that this story isn't about Joseph as some sort of hero. It's about the God that he knew and he never forgot through all life's ups and downs. So let me finish with three things that Joseph knew about God that enabled him to live and to act by faith. Here's the first one. He remembers that God is great. God controls all of life. As Joseph uh, stands before Pharaoh, he makes it quite clear that he believes it's not kings who make history. Uh, No, God uses them to bring about his purposes. And later on, Jesus himself would reinforce that when he said to Pilate as he was standing trial, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Joseph knew that God is great. Uh, He's the one in control of all of life. And that's such an important thing for us to keep remembering in these uncertain times, isn't it? Or when we feel fearful to speak of our faith. Secondly, Joseph knows that God's word can be trusted. Uh, His promises are sure. Uh, He believes God's covenant promises given to Abraham uh, and he believes in his God-given dreams uh, even as he stands before Pharaoh and even as his life changes beyond recognition. 
Many other Christians have stood firm before the courts of Rome or the governments of their day. And we too are called to trust God's word and stand firm in the face of worldly power and opposition and strength. And lastly, Joseph knows that God is is with us uh, in all the the highs and the lows of life. I'm convinced that he knew that he wasn't alone, uh, even when he must have felt very alone in prison. Uh, He knew the comfort of that in prison. uh, And as he rose to executive command of the whole of Egypt, he knew that he was still answerable to God. Uh, His actions under God saved Egypt from a disastrous famine so that they were able to even help people from other nations. And in a sense, Joseph was a a God-given savior for the people. And we know that God has given the world a, a far greater savior than Joseph in Jesus. And as we look to Jesus' death and resurrection, we can be even more sure of these things, these things we know about God than Joseph was. And we can also know that even when we forget God, even when we fail to, to live for him, we can be forgiven and start afresh. So let's pray as we finish that we would know these things about God and not not just in our heads, uh, but really know them in our hearts so that we can keep trusting God uh, in the difficult and uncertain times so that we can live boldly and courageously for him uh, so that we're shaped and changed to be more like Jesus and so that we don't forget God in the good times. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the forgiveness we can have in Jesus. Uh, Even when uh, we don't trust in you at times, or when we forget you, uh, we thank you that uh, as we Turn to Jesus, we can be forgiven. And we pray that we might know you like Joseph did. Uh, Help us to, to build our lives on those solid foundations so that we cannot be shaken. Uh, help us to, to live bold, sacrificial, countercultural lives of faith, even in these uncertain times. Uh, we pray this for your glory and in Jesus' name. Amen.